you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the League podcast starts now. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Actually, yeah, actually, it's more a room full of trunks. We've been put in the back room of a Sheridan in Times Square, and that's why it might sound like we're recording underwater. So, understand the production's going to be a little off here. But the energy... The love of the game, the love of the media day, the <laughs> weird way that Dan's voice sounds in this strange room bouncing off, that's going to be on top of things. There are literally <laughs> like 22 massive black boxes filled with potentially arms. More this, than 22. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, so today was media day. I guess maybe that's where we should start. Yeah. There's so much to get to. We had the four of us haven't been together in a while. Um, but media day was today, so why don't we start there? And uh, Greg, I throw it to you, the boss. Hmm. Your big picture takeaway from the day at Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Well, I like the beginning of it. We get off the bus, and there's a band just making music upon our arrival. Made us feel like we were athletes. And then after that, it was just pretty much, I don't know, the same media day as always. You know, it's a lot of nonsense. A couple good questions mixed in there. I'm more interested in Wesling because he hasn't been to any of these. Just for the general impressions of the the spectacle of it all. Well, it, it's not really my thing, as you guys might suspect. <laughs> Media, I don't really get into like why. Who cares what Marshawn Lynch says, and why? Why does it matter that everyone has to be riveted by Richard Sherman? You know, that's not really my thing. Nor do I get really into. Uh, 
these uh, precious, self-important media personalities that have to be shoving through everyone else with a notebook and a pen just to ask, you know, what's your favorite color? Something like that. So, yeah, I, I wasn't that impressed with it. I don't know if it's anyone's thing, though. I remember Dan said during it that this it kind of freaks him out every year. Stresses you out, Dan? A little bit. I, I felt a little claustrophobic, uh, especially this year, because uh, this is now uh, my third ball, third Super Bowl, Mark, as, as well. And the first two at Indy and then New Orleans were in the stadiums. This one, because obviously it's 11 degrees out in New York right now, so they weren't going to have it at MetLife Stadium. They go down to Newark, and it's a smaller space, but the same amount of people. And, you know, that one thing, not to get too sidetracked, but the thing that really gets me a little, it gets me a little weirded out is the, when you're so close to all these strangers trying to talk to this athlete, and you could smell everyone. And you could smell the (laughs) coffee on their breath, and you could smell their cheap aftershave. And it's just like, it's kind of gross, to be honest with you. And I don't know if I'm becoming a little OCD with my age, but uh, I don't know. It, was just, it just bothers me. I got a little anxiety. It has a subway feel to it in that sense where you really are. It's, it's critical that you're there the same way if you were riding the subway somewhere. You need to do it, but you are uh, smashed up against people you would never touch otherwise. And, yeah, all the sense. I, I think the thing that's good about it is avoiding all the cluster around Sherman and wandering off and talking to, like, like we all had a chance to talk to some coaches today who you essentially never hear from all year, like coordinators, and they aren't surrounded by 15 people, and you can actually ask four or five questions in a row and have a conversation. That's the good part. The, the craziness of it, I'm with Wes, it's, it's sort of something I do, I'm not drawn to it. Well, there's no one that is. I don't know who's... I think some are. I don't think you know who is people parading around. That dude that still dresses up as an unknown superhero, uh, Pick Boy, I believe his name is. There's a guy, a Waldo character. It's like, bro, you're 37. You know, get a girlfriend. Stop going to this event. You have um, who else? Waldo, the uh, guy dressed up like a founding father. Somebody that looked like George Washington or John Adams. There was that guy. There's always a a few women that sell out their dignity so they can have. Like, uh, I thought she looked just quite taking dignified. Of them. Oh, okay. I, I had no problem with the way she was dressed. Oh, you're one of those lecturers, sports writers. <laughs> but, but it is... Call it what you want. It does make you think for whose benefit is it? Because I think our reaction to it is probably the normal reaction. Pretty much every writer that's there is thinking the same thing. No one really likes it. I don't know. There's not a ton of news that comes out of it. Like, Dominique Rogers, Cromartie... You know, clarify that he's not really retiring. We get some good quotes. But the rest of the week we do that. Tomorrow and Thursday are great days if you want to talk to players and coaches. Somewhere I think it just got lost. I'm not sure whose benefit it's all for. I don't think fans are really that interested in it either. It's, We're not that interested in it. The players certainly aren't that interested. It's sort of just be, It's one of the events that sort of shows how big the Super Bowl has become, that it's just lost control and now it's its own thing but i don't right. i don't know uh, if anyone really likes we it. took a uh, we took a police escort from manhattan into jersey on shuttles uh to get to the event and the guys sitting two rows behind uh mark west and i on the way back had like a, a thick german accent i mean this is not this is a different type mm-hmm. of event i will say one thing that i do i do like like i liked about the day because I don't want us to come up as like, you know, 
bitter sports writers. It's just this event is a little weird. It's different than the rest of the Super Bowl week, obviously, in a lot of ways. But I did like I liked Marshawn Lynch, the way he kind of carried himself. I thought it was funny. He, he obviously had $100,000 plus riding on the event if he didn't show up based on the terms of his appeal. And then he, he arrives, and he, he's not on a podium. They keep him in a pen with some other lesser-known Seahawks. <laughs> And he speaks for six minutes and 21 seconds and then just slips away into the ether. Mid-sentence. And, yeah. And I was there when he was there. And I remember I was like 10 rows back. And, again, I was starting to get a little antsy. Like Rick Riley was straining in front of me. And I was like, what am I even, why am I here? And I walked to try to get some air. And uh, I see Randy Moss, who works with Fox now. And he's like, I got to talk to Beast Mode. And, he, and I saw I was like, oh, maybe they'll interact. So I go to walk back. This is like 15 seconds later. Marshawn Lynch is gone. There, he's nowhere to be seen. But then he <laughs> returns. Uh, I went to go talk to Percy Harvin, who had a podium close to where the pen was of Lesser Seahawks. And there was Beast Mode, <laughs> like randomly, sunglasses on, a hoodie pulled over his head, leaning up against like a, a temporary structure, not saying a word. It's looking and, like a boss. And yeah, looking like a boss. And all the media like try, shouting to him and taking pictures. It was just like, it was kind of like what I thought was a rock star move. I was in for that. Wes? <laughs> Wes hasn't slept in four days. <laughs> they none, of us have, none of us have eaten all day. So, you know. But Poor I Wes, know. by the way. Wes didn't even have any clothes until 4 a.m. this morning. I had a very Griswold family vacation experience <laughs> on Monday. They sent my luggage to Miami while I was here in the cold, wandering around the streets of Jersey City, which... Uh, has all the charm of late 80s Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Sessler has been describing Jersey City as like a, like a hellscape of sorts. Well, it's like piles of rubble on every corner, <laughs> billowing smokestacks, gray, bleak landscape. Yeah, it's like you got blasted out meadows on both sides of you, and Wes and I took like a $125 taxi ride to New York City <laughs> to escape this like Oswaldian <laughs> Russia. Well, let, let's clarify first of all. Let's set the stage. Uh, Wes is covering the Broncos all week, yeah. and Sessler is covering the Seahawks, right. and those teams are situated in a Jersey City uh, hotels. Uh, and then Greg and I are both in Manhattan covering more at the Media Center and Radio Row and doing other things. Uh, so we will not be united until later the later in the week in Manhattan. Yeah, and these guys are, you know, they're up here sipping martinis and <laughs> having finger food. And Wes and I, you know, trying to desperately to find a but place But you like being eat. out there for that reason. You said it was good for yes, the coverage. Yes, I do. But you know, case in point, you know, Wes has no coat because he has no clothing. <laughs> the airline decided he doesn't need luggage or toiletries. And so we're wandering through like an 80-mile-per-hour wind gust to what we find is a Chili's. That is no, it's like two hallways stacked on top of each other. A couple blasted out tables on the first floor. Upstairs, some bar with no waitress. We get two beers. We don't even order food. And we're like, we literally can't tell other men that this is the first place we ate in New York. Well, we just, slash New Jersey. we wrote a uh, visitor's guide that's up on the Around the League blog for people coming into Manhattan for the game. And I think Greg wrote, wrote, uh, wrote it, and I certainly agree, is that you can... Greg, why don't you say it? I don't know which part of it. Oh, so well, many gems in there that I put. You can never go to a chain restaurant oh. when you're in yeah. the New York City area. Well, you guys broke in that, fairness, though, they could have done a little research, taken a cab, done we a little legwork. We were in a desperate situation, yeah. and had I slept in the past few days and had clothing suitable to the environment, I would have been a lot more ambitious. 
We went to Chili's because it was basically right next door. Right. And when we got in there, we were so dis- so disappointed with the menu. I mean, there wasn't anything on there I would think about eating. And then the thought of having to come <laughs> back hat in hand and explain to Dan that we went to a chain <laughs> restaurant. I mean, I just couldn't bring myself to eat that. I think what I like about this show so far is the current of positive energy running. Yes. <laughs> right now. We should point out, the Jersey people could not have been oh, nicer been at no, the Super Bowl. We're not kidding. We're Newark was we're awesome, by the way, for the media day. We get off this, again, police-escorted shuttle bus, and the Elizabeth, New Jersey marching band is playing for us, and we're walking through uh, into the Prudential Center, and they have all these people saying hello. They gave us a, a commemorative pin. Uh, they fed us. Uh, you know, these are all things. It was very nice, a I thought. In the 15-degree weather, they're all sitting out there. I would second that. I think, you know, maybe this is a perfectly fine place to live in the summer months. Yeah. And uh, in other parts of New Jersey. But uh, the people have been exceptional. They've been so welcoming. You can tell they're trying really hard just to be great hosts. And I, I totally appreciate that. And let's let's go a little further down the Sessler wormhole. I guess this is We're probably, deep. Yeah. When Wes went to bed last night, Mark ended up at a bar alone, and uh, he starts sending me <laughs> it these texts. It was like 9.30 or something. Sure, buddy. Sends me these texts, and he's saying, music blasting, and then he's reading the lyrics of these songs. She lies and says she's in love with him. That's Better Man, Pearl Jam 95. Uh, Father of Mine by Everclear. Uh, uh, old Smashing Pumpkin song. Like... This sounds like the saddest bar experience of any uh, anyone's ever dealt with. It was a little morose, uh, I cannot lie. And in fact, the drinks were twice as expensive as they are in, uh, in Los Angeles, which baffles me. All right. So what Continuing else? Continuing on. What else do we want to talk about? Because uh, obviously, uh, this is we're now closing in on the game. One thing, uh, because this is something that's been speculated upon for it feels like two years. It's probably not going to snow, or there won't be a blizzard. For Super Bowl Forty Eight, it's supposed to be in the high thirties and uh, overcast to partly sunny. So uh, all that all that hand twisting and hand wringing about how it was going to play out, we don't have to worry about that. And I'm thankful for that because that I don't I didn't want to have to hear that or have that be a major storyline throughout the week. I never thought that the weather was going to be some deciding factor in whether the Broncos or Seahawks was more capable to play in that kind of. Conditions, but I think it's a relief that we don't have to hear that storyline. Yeah. I think it's harder to throw the ball if it's below freezing and there's some wind, which that stadium often has. I don't think it's it's undeniable that that games change a little bit in that sort of weather. Precipitation is another thing, and it's great that that's not going to happen. But yes, I'd rather these conditions, which it sounds like it's going to be about as ideal as possible. Although the conditions this week here, I mean, I lived here ten years. You do not see weather like this very often. You see weather like this here every couple of years for a week at most. It, they got bad luck with that, but the game should be fine. Well, but if there is a win, because when Russell Wilson had to deal with a win against the Saints a couple of weeks ago, that did not go well for him. He admitted that messed him up big time. And I, ta- I actually asked a few Seahawks players about that yesterday. And Zach Miller said, look, when it was that windy, we couldn't do what we wanted to do. It's always about the wind more than the temperature and, and the precipitation, really. It's the, always the wind, but that rarely gets talked about. You know, I just realized, by the way, and maybe this is the differences in the podcast, is we are in a room. No one knows we're here. We could be murdered in this room and not be found <laughs> for seriously six to eight weeks. And right across the hall, 
Eisen just did a podcast <laughs> with Jerry freaking Seinfeld, That's in fair. which Jerry was supposed to do 13 minutes, and then they were they were finishing up, and then Jerry's like, "Oh, let's keep going." He did like 30 minutes. Rich did 30 minutes with the biggest sitcom star of all time. We are in a a sad room where. Anything could happen in here, and this know. room has been rented out by like Iranian militants. I we, mean, I don't know what are in these boxes. We actually, we actually tried to get Johnny Cakes on the podcast. Oh yeah, he was walking around downstairs. If you're not a Sopranos fan, uh, you know a key character in the somewhat misunderstood second to last Sopranos season. Uh, he's been plugging something. You can the tell way, the level of stars based on the day they show up at the Super Bowl because the big hitters come on friday that's when you know they don't want to spend the whole weekend right. they'll they'll do the media rounds then that's when Saddam, sandler shows up you know if you're one rung below that maybe you're your thursday because that's when you can get the time on the dan patrick show or rich either whatever johnny cakes radio yeah, row way, are you calling jerry seinfeld a d-list celebrity? that's different oh. he's not going around radio <laughs> row making the rounds johnny uh, cakes is doing everything wait, he's doing west virginia you said radio. that we we tried to get johnny cakes on literally this is how we could have gotten johnny cakes on Hey, Johnny Cakes, and then he would have been, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I mean not, nothing, nothing against him. No. He, Here's the we weirdest thing about this Johnny Cakes guy, and I know probably 98% of our uh, listeners probably don't know who we're talking about. I don't even know if that was his, the character's name. That's what he's known He for. was a squat man from, from that Soprano season. But he was walking around with a giant uh, jug, like one of those Poland Spring jugs that are in like an office setting, and it had a big, massive New York Giants koozie on it. And he's carrying it around Radio Row. And it's just very strange. <laughs> it was like one of the stranger things. And that was on Monday. Tuesday, I walked around Radio Row. Today, bumped into Matt Money Smith, who does our intros, of course. We need to get him more content, by the way, guys. Mm. We got we to gotta get going on that. Well, you guys talked to Dan Quinn. You said that was one of your moments today that you enjoyed some of the coaches do you have any feel, I mean, from talking, like, what were your takeaways from him? Why, why was he such a surprising fellow? Well, I asked fellow. him. He was a fellow. And Will <laughs> West talked to him, too. I think we came away with, uh, I, with the sense that, you know, some of these assistants, they're buried underneath the head coach. You never hear from them all year. But he has such a major role in the way that that team operates. And it's, it's very clear that he's extremely creative. Uh, he went on and on about what he had seen from Peyton Manning on tape this week. But any, every guy I talked to, including him, when you ask about Manning, it's like, look, we've got, what, since 1998 we have tape on this guy. He's untouchable. There's no new quirk we can find that suggests how to beat him. It'll be interesting to see if they change things up, though, because they're not a defense that, said they weren't gonna. that mixes things up. They're not a defense that confuses the opposing quarterbacks. I think if you do that against Peyton Manning, you usually get in trouble that you want to throw in some extra stuff to get, not to confuse him, but just so he doesn't know exactly what you're doing each play. No matter how good your players are, they might not be that good enough to take these receivers one-on-one. Yeah, he basically said, we're just going to do what we do. We put our cleats in the grass, as he said, and we just attack. But he's like, we're not going to change who we've been. And why? Well, why should they? They've, they've detonated everyone. Who gets, to, who gets to Peyton Manning anyways? Cleats in grass. That's like... Save that for your interview, buddy. That's the good stuff. <laughs> By the way, the uh, Sopranos character is Vito. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks, because there was, like, there was a, like a breathless pocket of <laughs> listeners waiting for that correction. Well, how about, what, how about, so, Wes, you are embedded right now with the Broncos. Maybe we'll go Wes, then Mark. Um, what have you taken from your meetings with them so far? 
You know, I, a lot of people are kind of asking, this is what I got out of media day. Your coach listens to Fleetwood Mac. What do you think about it? That's the, this is the kind of, of uh, questions that are being asked. I've been trying to figure out how the Broncos defense got good, has playing their best ball all season without Von Miller. So I, that's kind of like what I've been concentrating on. And they took that week 15 loss to the Chargers and just decided they weren't going to play. They were going to play as a cohesive unit, not rely on Von Miller. Everybody's doing their part. Uh, I think Danny Trevathan has really picked up his game and has become one of the best all-around linebackers in football. Woo! Pot roast uh, has been playing great. And um, they point to Sean Phillips' leadership a lot. And I can think. I think you can throw in Paris Lennon and uh, Nate Irving playing on early downs has really helped the run defense. Lennon's one of those guys that you never think twice about, but it's cool when he makes the Super Bowl and you start reading the features that he was in two different leagues that are now defunct. The XFL, yeah. he's, the, he's the last player that's still in the NFL that once played in the XFL. I can't imagine that was a long list anyways. Some of these guys... He like, Hate Me was in there. Oh, yeah. Rod Smart. And he was also in the Arena League. He's been in the league for 13 years, and yet most people would have no idea who he is. And here he is sort of on the big stage, and he's suddenly playing a ton over guys that were supposed stars, Wesley Woodyard or whoever. They've made some changes to the defense, too. Some of these guys, when you see them without their pads on, they kind of look underwhelming. You think they're going to be bigger than they are? Paris, or Paris Lennon looks huge. Like yeah, I was going to say, I don't know where you're going his with His biceps are bulging. His neck muscles are coming out the ear. Like, all right, that's the perfect early down thumper to play linebacker. Who's um, somebody that you spoke have spoken to that's been surprising either in how he um, how he approached uh, the interview or just th- said things you weren't expecting? Well, I think Greg touched on this too. Dominique Rogers Cromarty is a very he's kind of a charming guy in the same kind of way that Brandon Marshall is charming. Like, you know, he's... Very easy going, easy to talk to, um, handles himself well, isn't really worried about cliches too much, so you're going to get better answers from him. I felt the same way about Percy Harvin. You've heard some things about him, and I got um, an audience with him where it would be basically one, almost one-on-one at the end of media day, and he was like very open and had a good, good attitude about things, and I guess sometimes maybe he doesn't have the best reputation back in Minnesota, but he was, he was pretty cool with me. Mark, you... With the Seahawks, what have you what have you seen? First thing about them in general is they are so confident and so loose. Like they really reflect Pete Carroll from the top down, and they're having fun with this week. I don't sense uh, a team that you know. What we talk about oh, outside of one practice squad, or no one's been here before. They seem very organized, and they're and they're doing this part of this media part of the whole week, uh, and they're enjoying it. And I talked to a couple of the guys about. What kind of game do you want against Denver? What's the kind of game? We all know they love to run the ball and stuff, but a couple of the guys said, listen, if it turns into a shootout like Denver would want it to, we are completely confident that we have the receivers and we certainly have the quarterback to play that kind of game and win, which surprised me. because I mean, not that they're not going to sound confident about anything they say, but they really do believe that whatever happens, um, Seattle has the type of team from top to bottom to beat Denver outside. They didn't care one iota about the cold. I think it's been driven into their head. You can play football in any weather. And they they really, there wasn't a sense of wind, temperature, anything. There's very little bottoming on that. They couldn't care less. Well, they did it last year. They, yeah. they were in shootouts. People forget how on fire Russell Wilson in that offense was as, as a passing game at the end of last year in terms of the two playoff games. 
maybe now you get Harvin back. You know, we haven't talked a lot about his impact in the game, but if if he could actually stay on the field for an entire game, which has not happened once, wouldn't it be amazing if it was the Super Bowl? And wouldn't that change the entire Seahawks offense? He said he said to me that that he's never felt better, and he thinks that he's going to be more explosive than he's ever been on Sunday. Obviously, he's going to be some hyperbole involved, but he's also he's going to be pumped up just like all these guys are. And if his he said his legs are feeling good, and he's got the drive back in his legs, and his head is fine after that concussion. And we saw how he looked in the divisional game against the Saints before he got hurt. I would not be surprised at all if he made big plays, impact plays on Sunday. We're talking about a guy who last season, 2012 season, when I was watching all these games uh, for my Roto World job, every week I'm watching it and thinking, Percy Harvin's one of the five best players in the NFL. He, he was the best receiver in the NFL in the first half of last season. I think it was like an MVP candidate. Yeah, MVP candidate. I mean, this is not a minor player. This is a major, major significant difference maker that the Seahawks are getting for this game. And I think the coaches are overjoyed he's back, that he's here, that even obviously this has been a kind of a disaster of a season and an acquisition, but in the end, you'd much rather have Percy Harvin in your pocket going into this game than than the opposite. Maybe it's just because they're so positive. I mean, you mentioned Quinn. This team sort of takes on the personality of Pete Carroll. He seemed like a mini Pete Carroll. Gus Bradley kind of seems like a mini Pete Carroll. All the players are just, it's like he brought a bunch of guys that are just like happy to be there and positive, and that's the Pete Carroll sort of thing. Well, and also Quinn mentioned that he's never been with a team or in a system where the head coach coaches the coaches the way Mm. he's been coached up by Carroll. The Carroll behind closed doors with his staff is doing all he can to prepare each of them to be head coaches. And so I think there's more attention given. One quick thing on Harvin, though. That's that's what I try to do with you guys. Coach, yeah, well, <laughs> coach, and that bleeds through on a, on a daily basis. But uh, with, with Percy Harvin, I think we asked last week, some of the players, are they in an awkward spot with him maybe coming back into the fold now? Every single guy said we, we, we expect him to be out there and to contribute. They're thrilled, and they talked about him specifically as the reason they could succeed in the passing game against Denver. One, uh, I, this isn't going to be a smooth transition, but I wanted to mention it when we were talking about the Broncos and, and their media availability. Uh, Wes Welker is over this, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, yeah. I... You know, before you guys got in, I went to the first media availability, which, which by the way, was in Jersey City uh, on a boat. And I think, is that where these... The Cornucopia. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah that's the where the Broncos are. Majesty or whatever, which is actually a good fantasy team name uh, for anybody that's looking for one. Uh, <laughs> and when Wes Welker was sitting in his little podium, I mean, he could not be more disinterested. And... and the media at media day today. I, I from what I heard, I didn't get too much uh, up close action with him, but he had a similar attitude. I'm, if uh, if there's one guy that cannot wait till Sunday and could use a teleporter device to get <laughs> to Sunday, it's poor Wesley Walker Welker who um, lost two of these already. He played a p- prominent role in the last loss. I think he just wants to get to this game, win this game. Go home, do well, some Old Spice commercials. You're giving me flashbacks <laughs> to my first Super Bowl, though. It was an eye-opener at one of the first media availabilities in 2008 after the 07 season to be in front of Welker, and there's only two or three people there at the time, and realize that he wasn't there, that his eyes were totally <laughs> glazed over, and he was, like, speaking sentences 
that almost had no connection with his body. It was like it was just a, an automaton program, and he he just couldn't have made it more obvious that he didn't want to be there. And it sounds like you know he's just that was just I a warm. He's never changed them. Sounds like a real dynamic personality. Well, this is a totally manufactured week. It, yeah, it's not I don't blame him. It's not yeah. natural, and these people are trained to play football. And I think as every year goes by, this whole, this two week two weeks of events becomes less about football and more about entertainment. Yeah, and I think that's to, like probably the biggest takeaway for me. I think you start to feel for the players on some level because they're wheeled out to such an excess this week. And the problem is you put them out there for 20 minutes, that a guy that rolls in on minute 15 is invariably asking a question that the guys, the players have oh, yeah. been asked three or four times already. And they're very patient, and they've been, to a man, right. done a great job with it. But I kind of get Welker's driftiness. Yeah, One guy also I want to give a little credit to because – it seems to be shaping up to go in a different direction, but Richard Sherman, the fact that his name hasn't come up yet and we're at Super Bowl week after what happened after the NFC title game, uh, he has not used this stage, and, and Media Day uh, is another good example, to make it all about him. I think he's. it seems like he was a sincere that maybe uh, his comments got away from him after that game because he has not. it doesn't appear like he's trying to bring more attention to himself this week and make it the Richard Sherman show. Well, the players handled themselves well today. The media did not. <laughs> I got pushed and shoved and big times by Al Leiter a few times. Oh, yeah. oh. Al Leiter, former Yankees, Mets, Yeah, Jays, what a Pitcher. creep that guy was what today. What happened? Because I have a beef with somebody else. So it takes, that. you know, all these guys are around. And if you want to talk to, like, Sean Marino, I mean, not the biggest name, but it might take 15 minutes to kind of nudge your way up there. Wait patiently for everyone else to ask their questions. Ooh. You're there with a notebook and a pen in front of you, obviously ready, first in line to ask a question. <laughs> Lighter comes by, elbows you in the side, has, hey, i got a question I really need. Oh, well, I'm not sitting here. like i got a pen and a notebook, <laughs> obviously ready to ask my own question. He takes over, pushes me out of the way, you know, because no Sean recognizes him as an athlete. He obviously goes to him. Lighter proceeds to ask like six or seven questions about being from New Jersey. Well, I'm trying to ask, like, football questions. Yeah, Al's from uh, Tom's River, New Jersey. Punk. Uh, but, <laughs> wait, is it weird to me that Noshan Moreno would have a active knowledge of Al Leiter and his it's career? A, it's a little strange. I, he said he recognized his face. Oh, oh well, he does yes There were two guys. Like, Mitch Berger came in and pulled the same routine, the former punter. He came that's in and pulled it. the same routine. Wow. and Well, he, really play, he played it. with Noshan at one point. Oh, okay, that's right. So he recognized him, and, I, and then he looked at Al Leiter. I like and how you were like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I it all that Mitch out. Berger played with <laughs> Noshan Moreno. No one knows <laughs> that. I don't, I don't even know who Mitch Berger is. Here's, here's my beef. Uh, Matt Prater, mm. kicker for the Broncos, <laughs> set the NFL record, 64-yarder. You know, I tried to get some time with him. Matt Prater's been ill, or he was ill last week, missed three practices, uh, John Fox quelled any um, doubts about his play, whether he'd play on Sunday, saying he'll be fine. You know, we kind of quarantined him, quarantined him. They joked that they kept him in a bubble. So I wanted to check in with Matt Prater, the kicker, just like how you feeling, Matt. You know, blah blah blah. So at first, there's too many people around him because I think one thing the reporters, when they have a, a big group of guys, they they navigate to the kickers and punters. Uh, you could take that how, how you will, but they had a lot of people talking to him, and Brock, Brock Osweiler also. Oh, he got crowded. Um, so then, <laughs> so then, uh, finally, I kind of worked my way back, and there's only like three or four people trying to get to Matt Prater. First of all, Matt Prater's got a huge diamond stud in his ear, and I, it's okay. Kickers can be how they are, but that was surprising to me, you know, that he had that. And then 
I'm trying to talk to the guy, and I notice that there are people just kind of staring, and then I look up, and Matt Prater's talking on his phone. And this is one hour of media availability. All you have to do is stand there. You have people clearly three feet away from you, separated by a barrier that want to ask you questions. Get off your phone, bro. What if, what if it was his doctor? Yeah, well, that's, I wrote that actually <laughs> in what we learned, our post uh, wrapping up the day. I said, I hope it wasn't an emergency, because then I'd feel bad about this. But, you know, get off the phone. By the way, bro. there's no bro. shadowy league figure. This time, looming, they've actually just locked the door and they're going to not let us out and explode <laughs> the room. A blue right. gas is going to start to appear from yeah. below the door. A, a note slid under the door and just <laughs> said goodbye. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> Curtains for you. No, we're, no and I, I can't stress this enough. We are literally in a small room in a large hotel filled with black trunks. So after... Across the hall, Jerry Seinfeld, the greatest sitcom star of all time, just interviewed by a proper podcast. It's a bold statement. I like show. it. I like being the underdog. You know, you can, you know, yeah, take all your on illegal downloads and whatnot. <laughs> We're the scrappy guys. That's those are the teams that end up on top in the end before they just get full of themselves on success. Yeah, did, did you watch Hoosiers to prepare yourself for the show? <laughs> we continue to make friends in this episode. Anything else? After staying with the teams a little bit. I mean, are you feeling any different about this game? Not based on that, but I guess as we're getting closer to Sunday, we've now had nine days to marinate on these two teams. Has your feelings on who might win this game changed in any way? I would say as much as the Seahawks are feeling confident, they haven't played their best football of the year entering the Super Bowl. The Broncos have, and they know it. And I feel like they're the team to beat now. I do feel like that has solidified my opinion. The Broncos. Do you are remember the team what I, you know? Yes, what I said. I, I know back that. In I know that you have guaranteed a Seahawks victory. A Seahawks blowout victory over the Broncos. This was guaranteed in November, and I don't like to kind of put this out there a lot because that you know it takes a lot of fun out of the game for people. But it must be said that's what's going to happen. I disagree with Dan. I don't <laughs> think uh, I disagree with half of it. I don't. I think it's going to be a very close game. Uh, I think it's going to be a Seahawks win, though. But I. I when you're with the Broncos and you're hearing all this positivity, and there's reason to think Denver will win the thing outright, but I guess I'm getting that from the Seattle side. They seem to me unified from top to bottom. They're all just so close together in this thing, and I really feel that, A, they've got the, the one defense in the league that Manning has going to have real problems with, I think, potentially. There's not a weak spot on that defense, and we haven't seen them play anyone of that level. And that, to me, is the, is the difference more than anything Seattle will have to do on offense. I think it's going to be like a 23-21 to 21 type Seahawks win. Yeah, we'll get into the game a little deeper Thursday. Mark just gave his prediction. Well, well, that's that's what a podcast that's amateur. Right. Well, that is good. fluid, and that will change. I think that's the takeaway here is that Mark and, Mark and I have both been snowed by these right. teams. Totally team. we, right. I don't care what they say all week. Nothing possibly mattered. Of that anyone said this week will possibly have an effect on the outcome of the game. The only thing it'll affect is Dominique Rogers, Cromartie's agent, because he cost himself a little bit of money by kind of making it clear he's not that in love with football and all that. I just think, you know, forget the conversation. How about Richard Sherman? Richard Sherman's performance this year and what he's doing as a cornerback. And then put next to him Byron Maxwell, who might be a top five cornerback in his own right. And then Earl Thomas, 
who's one of the best safeties that we've ever seen, and Cam Chancellor, who's so versatile, and that this secondary and this defense overall is such a force of nature that I think in this clash where we'll talk about kind of these two teams clashing, I think they're even greater than the highest scoring offense in NFL history. I think that, that'll be our takeaway at the end of Sunday night that people are writing. I think the opposite. Oh, I think this it's is great good. As I seat, like this. Great <laughs> as the Seahawks defensive backs are, possibly the best we've seen, definitely the best since the 2002 Bucks. They haven't seen anybody like the Broncos, and nobody in my lifetime, nobody in the history of the NFL has, is in sync in pre-snap reads right now like Peyton Manning is. I mean, he's doing things before the snap where you can tell he's identifying, and he's got so many weapons that he is – He's in so smooth of an area right now, and I think um, no quarterback's ever done that before. I'd have to say with this Super Bowl, it, it is has more strong matchups than I can, I can remember because it, it's all these chess pieces, and it is, like I said, it's an offense that hasn't seen anything like this on defense, and you flip it over, and Wes is right. They haven't dealt with anything like what the Broncos produced. Well, it, it's a, there was a great post on a site called Football Perspective uh, about the matchup in, Name in terms of historical significance, <laughs> that there has never been a greater difference in matchups of a great defense and a great offense. And you can slice it up a, a lot of different ways, but in terms of the point differential of the two teams that are playing, in terms of what one defense gave up and what one offense gave up, and that's any game. It's not the greatest Super Bowl ever. It was the greatest NFL matchup ever. Ooh, I like that. From 1950, that there's never been a defense this good in terms of being better than the rest of the league in that year against an offense being better than the rest of the league in, in that year. And we get to see them just smash against each other like those helmets at the beginning of Monday Night that Football. That fired me up. Start. You know what the Let's get going. Yeah, Greg is off the trunk. <laughs> the closest other Super Bowl in terms of point differential was what the 49ers did in 89 with the number one offense. Against, against my Bengals. No, against the, oh, I'm talking the 89 season, against the number uh, one defense in Denver. And you look at that game, that tilted offense. 55-10, Mark. I was in a, that I was, was the final score. I was in the back seat of a car driving home from a Vermont ski trip watching that on a Watchman television. Yeah, that's awesome. You're old. 1989, I, I was 15 wondering what a ski trip was. This wow. is this Must is where nice. the, this is where the generational <laughs> difference comes in. We were talking about this downstairs. Just that, you know, you guys, Chris and Mark. It, sometimes there's a division between the four of us. We all try to we try to be like a group, but yeah, you guys yeah, are the old, you're the older guys. The Dan and I are kind of the young cool guys. We're <laughs> no, hip. I don't know about we're, like the, to us. we're like the cool cats, and you're like the old men, and that's how I see it. <laughs> we're above cool. <laughs> We don't have time for cool. That's exactly right. We're, we're fine Wait, going to what, Chili's and is, eating at Chili's the night we get to New York. Well, exactly. <laughs> this is all, I got to say, you know, this is fun chat. and we'll, We're going to come back on Thursday and do more podcasting, maybe from a room where people haven't been murdered. But um, I'm getting texts now from Damashek. Tonight's the big media party on Chelsea ah. Pier in Manhattan. Uh, I told Damashek we'd meet up with him. He texted me earlier during the podcast, food, who's in from your gang? And then he followed up, but where are you, you GD prima donna? Prima donna. <laughs> and then I said, rapping pod, stop being a bad person. We got to get, we got to get in contact with Damage. We got to get out of here. A bad we got to go to this party. Um, when we come back Thursday, we will have our official Super Bowl predictions. Other than Cecil here, he gave his. 
I gave you know, very professional. Damashek won. Damashek won media day, by the way, by asking players if Sunday was a must-win. <laughs> that was great. I love that. The he greatest had an, question to me today. Yeah. So good and shows how humorless this business can be. It got picked up in several outlets that it was, oh, someone just asked the new worst Super Bowl question ever. And it's like, are you, are you kidding me? You don't understand that that was a joke? Society. He, he uh, previewed his material with us before. He, he went out there and asked the questions, and we were, we were rolling on almost all of his questions. Well, and, he, and he also got Peyton Manning. To be a real human and hilarious. We should tease that. We shouldn't take that. That should be for Dave's show. Yeah, you it? should listen to Dave's show. Hopefully, it'll be on that, and the audio all works out with his interaction with Peyton Manning at the end. All right, let's get out of here. We literally have to get out of this room. I think the oxygen is starting to um, leave the room. Uh, we'll be back Thursday, like we said, with our Super Bowl predictions and also really dig into the game and also, of course, let you know what's going on from New York and. And by that time, Mark and Wes will be in the big city and out of Jersey City, and you'll be happy about that. I love New Jersey, but, you know, that's just me. That's great, Dave. You are wearing a hat that says, I love New York. Literally, <laughs> Literally that's great, that is your hat. That's, well that's your hat. I know, that's true. Anyway, all right, so let's get out of here. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the Sizzler, the mailman, the boss, and all these trunks. And, of course, our, our producer, our fill-in pr- producer, Cave. Cave. Thank you, Cave, for helping us out. Um, we're cheating on the gold standard and K Rich. Until Thursday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital, rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.